If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 84. Suns fan here with Cinderin. This is our third podcast in basically a week, and I am very excited, Cinderin, because I have something to tell you. Yes. Well, first, there's going to be an NBA segment. I just want to get that out of the way, but that's actually not what I was going to say. I have not had this much fun playing Dota in literal years. Wow. I I actually cannot wait to talk about the patch with you again, which we will uh, as we get started. Damn, look at you. How are you doing, sir? Did Valorant get a bad one or? Cinderin, it's actually because Dota is good. Oh. Okay. Speaking of Dota, nice. I, I caught your stream last night. Yeah. Might be the first time I've ever seen you tilted. Like beyond like regular person tilted, not Cinder and tilted. Which game was that? You said a bad word, which I won't repeat. Oh. It wasn't bad enough that you can't say it on Twitch, even though that's that list is becoming smaller and smaller as we <laughs> <laughs> we will not talk about today. Uh but yeah, you were quite upset, Cinderin. I didn't know you Did had I show my asshole, though? Okay, let's get started with the episode. I mean, you can do that and get unbanned. So, I mean, <laughs> as long as that's you say true. it was a mistake, then it's fine. So, yeah, that's I mean, true. Like, it was a mistake, I didn't get please. That. Okay. All right, let's do the Patreon shout-outs. Uh, you can go ahead and do the first half this time. I shall. All right. Suns fan. Please, please, please read the Sword of Truth series so I can get your opinion as it compares to Stormlight Archives. I think the name is not long enough to be in here, unfortunately. Chakar are too long. Boyko Ustavko Ustavka Mutro. Fab Daddy, the Mega Pope. T.I. Oh, Tins. T.I. in New Zealand. <laughs> nice. Zan Xavier, Suns fan Pudge Omegalol. Nate Thicko, zero one Hamscroats, brother to the great OG Jesticles Hamscroats. Bacon. No, not that bacon. The other bacon. Farting inside a jar for seven straight years just to finally unleash my demonic blood spawn fart grenade, then detonating it inside. That's a contender for best for me, but yep. I'm I think to that. it's always the same guy who's a contender against himself. <laughs> Lick Shark TM and freshly seasoned coat balls. Thank you also to Change Will Happen, the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance, Novi Panda, Dop, Polish title of In Bruges translates to First Shoot, Then Explore, Fane, Underscore Man, the Ben Alliance's new campaign is to lobby for an In Bruges Suns fan cindery commentary podcast episode, and we need your help. Yes, donate your money to Cinder so he finally watches a goddamn movie. <laughs> Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Done Talk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Anonymous, Peter Sword of Truth is Horrible, No Need to Read It, Niebling, 
and Ronnie <laughs> Keel. Sounds like we might have a new, uh, maybe, what's the right word? We got two mortal enemies, two people connecting through in here again. Will they? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just for some reason, I'm imagining Peter Niebling as a wrestler now, and this is his wrestler name. Imagine <laughs> that. You go on stage, and your name is Sword of Truth is Horrible. No need to read it. Versus. <laughs> I like it. Good name. Looking, Good looking name. forward to the those two changing their names every week now to uh, create the next war. Okay. Uh, so quickly, the NBA is starting today, actually. Oh. And I know that there's a lot of people. I've been told this time and time. It's not just one or two people. I've been told time and time again. A bunch of people enjoy listening to me talk about the NBA despite not knowing anything because of how passionate I am. And that's really cool. So I will say that wherever you live, if you have... The ability to watch ESPN, which there's ways to do it if you can't get it on a regular channel, which I won't go into. You can Google it, do it in incognito, ad block as well. Uh, the 23rd, which is tomorrow for us, the Suns will be doing their opening game versus the Dallas Mavericks. It's going to be on ESPN, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So <clears throat> you guys should check that out. It's going to be It's actually a cool storyline. Wait, remember Pacific when, is sorry. Yes. Yeah, you go. Go ahead. First. Let's talk about time zones, please. Yeah. Actually. Interrupt me for time zones. No, no, no. I'm actually interested in this, but finish your boring okay. NBA shit, and I'll say. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, so, I think when we started the podcast, I'd started talking about the NBA and how the Suns got the number one pick, right? Didn't I do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, the Suns took DeAndre Ayton, who's a center. And then the Atlanta Hawks, who ended up trading their pick to Dallas, got Don, uh, Doncic at number three. And he is like an MVP candidate. Basically, everybody's like, okay, this guy should have went number one. Everybody's shitting on all the teams that didn't pick him. So as a result, DeAndre Ayton being a number one pick, you know, all eyes on him, a lot of criticism, even though for like these big players, like centers, the tall players, for those that don't know, the very, very tall players, they tend to develop a little bit slower. Having said that, of course, if you could redo it, you take Doncic first. But Aiton is very good. He's going to be very good. And every time he plays Dallas, we dumpster them. So I'm expecting to dumpster Dallas in game one, Cinderin. But we'll see. Go ahead with your time zone subject. So Pacific is west, right? Yeah, it's like California. So this means the NBA games start at 10.30 in the evening for East Coast. That's just, well, that's like the late, that's the last slot, the last time slot. There's right. going to be games before okay. that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, it's interesting planning that the games are that late. Like, they must, so what's the, the earliest time slot? How many games do you have? Uh, it depends. So it's, well, I mean, it can be, a ton of games be played at the same time. Like, these are just for mm -hmm. national games. So if there's right. a national game, it'll probably be at like 5 p.m., two and a half hours before the game takes with commercials like two to two and a half hours and then okay. if you like on christmas day which is a big one the games start really early or just sundays in general like you'll have noon like even 10 a.m games for me in the pacific which are miserable mm -hmm. to fucking wake up for so yeah they there's a lot of slots technically okay that is the nba news for the week thank okay. you for listening again all right so before we get on to the big patch and how we feel about it because we've had a few days now to play around with it they did come out with a sneaky nerf to Hoodwink, which they've done this before with Void Spirit and Snapfire, yeah. where they didn't really announce anything. I find it so weird. It's not like 
a 7.28 B or A or whatever. It, it's kind of hidden. A lot of people don't even know this exists, but we might as well just talk about it. So Hoodwink's base agility was reduced by four. Bonus damage from her first ability, Acorn Shot, was reduced by 20 at level four. Uh, the Acorn Shot also, the count has been reduced by one at all levels. It used to be six, now it's five. The W, the Bushwhack, cast range reduced from 1,200 to 1,000. And the Radius reduced from 325 to 275. And the 20 talent, which everybody was taking, which was minus five armor corruption, is now minus three. That's actually a pretty sizable nerf. Do you think, like, I think everybody agrees that he, she was really powerful mm -hmm. when first coming out, which is not anything new. Do you think this is put her back in her place? Is she still really good? Do they need to do more? What are your thoughts? I think it's really hard to say after two days, but I think it definitely needed a buff or a nerf rather to start with. So um, I read these nerfs and I was like, I still think the hero is good. But I don't know how broken it is now. It felt like it was insane when it came out. But this is a lot of nerfs at once, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, the single biggest nerf, at least for how I play it, is the bushwhack radius. Because that stun was incredible. It's like a vacuum stun. Uh, and you could obviously place a tree down with acorn shot. So, uh... Don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is how I would have nerfed it. I think the ulti is kind of bizarre in certain situations so maybe that's where i would have started instead of nerfing the core kit of the hero but hmm. um i think giving it nerfs is completely justified uh, i'm still having tons of fun playing it i feel impactful in my games um i don't know how often i feel broken in my games well this seems to be a little bit of a conflicting thing among high-ranked players like some people think the hero is broken others are like it's not that bad um hmm. so I mean, yeah, still small sample size stage, and yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm not surprised by the nerfs. I think everybody was complaining about the root the, or the bushwhack stun, which I can understand. But the first time I read the abilities, the first ability is like, that's just way too good. There's no way that does not get nerfed in some capacity, and maybe yeah. it will still get nerfed even more. if it scales so well because it puts in your auto attack as well. It procs um, orbs, so you can get like maelstrom and have <laughs> multiple procs in the same spell cast, which is. Yeah. Obviously, really powerful, but so they nerfed one think, bounce and damage. Do you think her ult is too good? I, f I feel like that's actually one of the weakest part about the hero. Not that it's a bad ult. Mm. I just think the Q and the W are just infinitely better. It's the ult feels a little bit. It's not. I don't want to say situational, but there needs to be a little bit of setup. You can hear it from such far range. Like I can hear it every time somebody casts it, even if they're in fog, which is really weird. Right, but it's really hard to dodge too, though. Like. You can you can dodge it if it's used well. Yeah, I mean you can maybe you can hear it's getting cast, but you don't really know the angle. You don't uh, you don't know where the starting of the cast is from. Compared to something like Primal Spring, right? If Monkey King uses Primal Spring and you hear it, you're like, okay, he's probably here, and this is mm. probably where he's gonna land. With Hoodwink, the range is like two thousand five hundred or something absurd. You have no idea where the projectile is coming from, mm. um, and it's super fast. So yeah, you can dodge it, but it's not. Like easy, I think. I don't time think time to it's get a surround sound. <laughs> um, now, but the the thing is, I think the mechanic of how it works is, like you said, I, I don't think situational necessarily is the right word. It's situationally quote unquote broken, and in other situations, it's just really good. Like it's a shitload of damage. It's a six second break and slow. Mm -hmm. So I was playing Hoodwing against Bristleback, right? 
and I used this spell and I hit him and he just died every fight. He just died. I took half his health yeah. and then somebody else hit him twice and he was dead. So yeah, you could argue, set. yeah, you have to itemize against it. And that is, of course, the case. Like you have to get creative with solving this as a hero that gets affected by break. But um, when it's a mechanic that's so rare and far and uh, few and far in between now at this patch, there's more ways of getting break. But when you have this reliable of a break on level six with mega range and huge damage, it's bound to be insane against certain heroes. So um, that's one thing. The other thing is just the damage numbers are incredibly high, right? Like, yeah, it's the an old that deals high. 600 damage level one uh, with the cooldowns like 40 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Think about Finger of Death, how long cooldown that has level one. That lion sucks. Let's not talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but that, that's another big part of it, right? Is that Hoodwink's kit is online all the time where other heroes have powerful ultis, but then they need to wait two minutes. Hoodwink's like, you know, you just shoot your ult. If it misses, then okay. You know, mm. You'll have it again soon. Um, very, very powerful, in my opinion. But Okay. But so, super yeah. fun. And that's what we want. I agree. This patch is mega fun. Uh, I've been having a very good time playing as well. And I was honestly kind of getting bored to death with the previous patch. <laughs> like... Uh, to be honest, the big majority of the Dota I played was because I felt like I should be streaming for my community. It wasn't because I felt like playing so much. So this is a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah, that's kind of the same for me. Okay, so I thought this would be a cool little exercise. Uh, I've given you time to think about it, but something tells me you have zero ideas. Uh, we were going to come oh. up with Aghanim Scepters and Ag Shards for Hoodwink because she's the only hero in the entire game that does not have this which yep. was kind of expected after Snapfire and Void Spirit didn't have them on release either. Do you have any ideas? Because I have a couple. I do. Um, okay. And I think it's very much in tune with what Valve have done with other heroes, like taking things from the past. I think it fits the hero's concept quite well. If it gets, do you remember the spell Treant used to have way back where he could put an owl in a tree? Yeah, various, yeah. Uh, and then... How is that uh, different than it, his ags now again you can it had different versions so one version he could put an owl in a tree that i think gave vision and then he could activate it to do a stun um oh was it a stun or a silence it was a stun okay it was like a 1.5 second stun for a bit of damage or something i think it's many many years ago but they were called sentinels i think that was his old skill before he got uh leech seed even i think um it used to just be a normal spell the hero had but I think on Snap, uh, not on Snapfire, on um, on Hoodwink, you could give Hoodwink either a shard or a, a scepter upgrade. Where depending on which one, obviously you scale how strong it is. Uh, Hoodwink can put an owl in a tree, and it can be activated to do a root. So then you can throw a tree. You can put an owl in it. You can root someone, and then when the root is about to expire, you have the stun. So you basically give your hero an extra bit of functionality in terms of some sort of lockdown that is counterable by Manta, BKB, Lotus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also use it to pre-place before fights. So you could place it like around the Roshan pit or in a contested area that you have control over. So it's not just on your acorn tree, but any tree. And then, you know, you balance it based on how powerful you want it to be. If it's the acceptor, maybe the cooldown is low. Maybe the root is longer. If it's the shard, maybe it's something you can use like once every 30 seconds or every minute or something like that. Did you think I of think one idea kind of cool. for two items? It was the only good idea I came up with because I okay. didn't feel no, like... I, was just I felt like it was hard to find something for the current spells. There was nothing that I was like, oh, this is definitely... You just right. add... <laughs> like, what would you add to her ult? I don't even know. Well, She's I added like something to her ult. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Uh, 
Okay, so I, I made an Aghanim Scepter and an Ag Shard. Uh, we can talk about the Shard first. And obviously, mm -hmm. I don't really have numbers, but I'm going to make up numbers. So for the Shard, for her ult, we're assuming that, let's say they lower the damage of the ult or whatever they nerf, because I think they're going to do another tweak on all her abilities anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. So for the Shard, Sharpshooter will stun main target for two seconds and deal 25% of damage that it deals to any enemy heroes within 500 AoE. That's so, the Shard? That's the Shard. That is It might incredible. be. Uh, the number Again, it's numbers, right? Everything right. can be tweaked to be balanced. My idea is that it stuns for a short duration and deals a little bit of AoE damage in the peripheral. It could be the AoE or it could be units behind it, like, you know, like a power shot almost. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my idea for that. That one I'm not as in love with. But the Aghanim Scepter, Cinderin. I'm going to just say this is one of my best ideas. So uh -oh. Bushwhack, which is the yeah. ability where you throw a net and people get stunned to a tree. I think it would be cool if you purchase an Aghanim Scepter, Bushwhack will remain on the ground and entrap enemies within range. And you can have a max of, let's just say, four up on the map at one time. And it's kind of like a techie's mind where if you get within a certain range, they'll be able to see it. But it'll probably be, need to be a shorter range than techie's minds, or else it'll be complete dog shit. What do you and think? Then, and then they get stunned like a regular bushwhack? Yeah, it'd just be a regular bushwhack. So it's, consumed. so it's a stun mine. It's, it's literally bushwhack, but it just stays on the ground and activates into a bushwhack when somebody gets near. So you can put it in like little corners or... That sounds you know. crazy. <laughs> it's good. It's a full Aghanim Scepter, crazy. though. It's 4,200 gold to get this, Yeah, right? but it, it's on a hero that doesn't really feel like it needs any items, right? So it feels good to buy it. We've talked about this before, how some heroes don't like buying eggs and others really don't mind because of just the integral, like the, the way their heroes work with their yeah, spells alone. True. Well, uh, maybe that won't be the case when she gets nerfed again. Uh, I mean, the idea sounds, it, it sounds like a good idea, but it's a mine, so I hate it. So, I, I knew you wouldn't like it, yeah. but I, I tried going down the, the road of, you know, all the other ags. Like, obviously, they could add a new skill. I'm not going to make up some random ass skill because that's not as fun. And this is one of the few ideas because it feels like they can't, like, they've added charges to basically all the spells already via talents and inherently. So there wasn't really much to go with. Okay. Uh, so moving on to the next thing. What are your general impressions of the patch? So let's. Let's do this in three categories. Uh, okay. We've already talked about how we like the patch as a whole. Um, yeah. What are your favorite shards? Uh, hmm. I have, I have not played that many different heroes, to be honest, uh, yet. So I haven't like, really got uh, to try that many. You like Hoodwinks, Aghanims, and Shards by any chance? Yes, very, very good. They're the best. Um, so I think so far, stuff that I've seen... <laughs> And I can reference this to stuff that we've talked about. Uh, the Shaker one seems really, really powerful. The yep. um, the Jakiro one I played with one game looked very good. The Crystal Maiden one seems very nice. I used that one myself once or twice. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was one that really stands out. The Earth Spirit one is very good. I played against and with that, I think um, <laughs> I'm just scrolling through all of them and reading the ones that I, mean, I haven't definitely... seen the Invoker one yet, but I still think it's incredible. 
Coddle one is good. Seen the Lich one once, wasn't fully convinced. Haven't seen the Lifestealer one because nobody picks that hero. We'll get to that. I picked the Lifestealer and I got yeah. open wounds the, and it felt great once I yeah. got open wounds. Feels good to wait 20 minutes to play your hero and then yeah. you have to buy it too. Pretty much, um, pretty much. Yeah, what else? Um, as far as scepters go, guess the what? The, the one that's considered the most broken right now. You get three guesses uh, of the new scepters. I'd have to... Oh, Troll Warlord. Uh, that one is also really, really good, but I actually don't think it's necessarily the best one. But I agree. That one is also mega good. I tried it. It like You literally get a third item. It feels it's insane. incredible. It's insanely good. May, I mean, maybe that rivals the other one, but it is really, really, really good. Uh, I'd have to look at the full list of new ags, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, hard to remember. I was going to say, okay, I'm going to just... Uh, so this could be my guess, but I was going to bring this mm -hmm. hero up anyway because I played it as well. The mm -hmm. Axe Aghanim Scepter is creme de la creme, Cinderin. It sounded it pretty does. good. on it. So you Ber Berserker's Call is lowered by two seconds. Anybody that's Berserker's Call gets minus, oh, yeah, armor. minus armor. It's applied to you, and they get battle hunger. It's fucking incredible. It is such a good Axe. I think that's also right. one that you definitely... I think it's literally core on the hero now. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. What is what is the Ags? So the it's Mars, actually. We talked about it, and I was like, it might be good. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Abusing but it's good one. for the wrong reasons, I think. I'm pretty sure this is going to get nerfed. The tower so, damage? So Mars's <clears throat> Ags is that he can turn on Bulwark, and then he gets a like a little line of soldiers next to him, and they attack. The problem is their attack is not tied to yours. So you can hit, and then you can toggle Bulwark and get a hit in, toggle it off, hit, toggle Bulwark, get a hit in. So basically you just get double damage and you attack while you have damage mitigation and it works on towers mm. and you have it all game. So you're literally just this toggling god. It is so ridiculous, like conceptually just thinking about it. Because I remember when we talked about it, I was like, is this good? I don't know. Because in my head, when I read the text, I was like, this is tied to your own attack. Like just instinctively, that's how I thought it worked. Like if you hit and then toggle, the Mars army won't attack until you can attack again. But they're mm -hmm. two separate attack entities entirely. So that is ridiculously good. I, mean, I feel like the fact that even outside of that, the fact that you can just toggle it like boom, 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 you still like you activate it three times, essentially, and it'll attack three times. Right. That that seems weird. That's before you can even get an auto attack normally. It's faster than an auto attack. It doesn't hit every time you toggle, I think. Because then you could just like mash but it the, until you break the base. Right, but the cooldown is do... like, it feels too low. Right. right? I, I don't know what the cooldown is per hit. I haven't had it myself yet. I've just, I've heard yeah, this I've, is like I've busted, only seen it so. as well. It does look pretty busted. I agree. Um, Anybody yeah, else? I'm scrolling over the remaining shards here. I think I haven't seen it, but I still think Elder Titans is very strong. Uh, I've played Tidehunter. His is fucking incredible. Oh, Tides is sick, I think. That one's really good. But just I haven't towers. seen it in use. So, so again, it's just... Use it on a tower. That This is without the talent that reduces more damage, okay? Because I never I always get the gush because of the Aghanim Scepter that I want to tie it to. Mm -hmm. Minus 100 attack on the towers. Goes from like 170 to 100, or 170 to to seven. Is it actually 170? I can't remember. It's minus 100. I think it is. It, so it sounds right. That sounds right. So that one's extremely yeah. good. 
Uh, I played Ricky, which I use. Mage Slayer is a really good item on Ricky, by the way. Gives you great magic resist, a lot of agility, and obviously the the debuff onto casters. But his ags, I, or his shard, I did try, and it's it's okay. You just dart somebody, you ignore them a bit. Uh, you can set up a kill for later. It's it's good, right. but it's not like I wouldn't say it's game breaking by any means. Yeah, I'm do, I'm still scrolling through it. I'm not really finding anything fine. I didn't. Okay, mention, I so have a I have a bold statement. Mm -hmm. It's not number one. I think a top five. Okay, it's hard to say. I think the most underrated shard. Let's just put it that way. That people mm -hmm. are sleeping on is actually Pudge. 14, I've been playing that hero a lot. 1,400 gold, and you literally get what his Aghanim Scepter used to be, which was 4,200. I know people didn't like his Ags, but the main reason it wasn't good is because it was expensive. The ability is really good. To be able to yep. save an ally, like you just need like an Aether Lens or something, a Blink, like literally anything tied to it, and you save somebody, and they fully heal. The heal is so fast. I think they actually buffed that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, uh, at least it felt like a lot of HP per second. Shout out to Hamscroats, by the way, who's one of our Patreons. He sniped me in a game. People like to do that. They always mm -hmm. end up in my game somehow. And he was on my team, and he saved me so many times with this Pudge uh, uh, shard. It's incredible. Uh, the Ag yeah. sounds I... awful, though, for him. I haven't tried it. I've played this hero the most out of any hero this patch i think because i love pudge and i was excited with all the buffs that he got and he seems genuinely playable now which is awesome um and i think i bought this eggs once or twice but to me it's not a must buy i think it really depends what kind of lineup you play against and what your role is in the game but in the games where the enemy team has like strong single target or you have a key core to keep alive it's amazing obviously um and on the scepter, I disagree. I think it's actually very good, but you can't really buy it first item. I think most of the time. Wait, you're talking about Pudge? If you have a game where you scepter? get farmed, yeah. Okay. If you're farmed on Pudge, this eggs gets incredible. I think. Mm -hmm. Like, if you at any point have BKB in your build, this is an amazing next item because you know you feel relatively safe. You're already tanky because you have you have an armor talent on 10, you probably have some sort of armor build as part of your build-up because you want all that EHP, right? So maybe you have like a blade mail or a plate mail or something mm -hmm. like that. You get BKB and then Scepter next. So yeah, it's obviously somewhere down the line, but the the item, I think, is very, very powerful once you get it. I have actually not seen it. Uh, I haven't seen it either, and I haven't tried it. My so chat was telling me about, feeling, about Weaver's but... Shard. I did when we first read about it, I actually didn't understand what it did. I'm not gonna lie. I was so tired. Mm -hmm. It's the fucking W. It was like eight hours into that pot into that uh session. But it sounds like on paper, and I tried it a little bit in game, it seems pretty freaking good. It actually gives you incentive to go for the extra geminated attack at twenty five. Because anybody that's swarmed will take a geminated attack when it's up. So Yeah, and if they're for a right click weaver, it's pretty good. If they're in different distance to you. You can get multiple orb procs, right? Because that's based on when the projectile lands, not when it's shot, I think. Mm. So or, imagine you have Maelstrom and the, and the shard, right? right? If they that's get true. hit more than 0.2 seconds after each other, I think you can Maelstrom proc both. But Possibly. If that's how it works, then it's a lot better because then orbs have way more value. Uh, Chance-based orbs, like mm -hmm. crit or uh, 
chain lightning. So, yeah. Okay. I'm probably. Oh yeah, I've seen the Void Spirit one. That one seemed really good. Mm. And another incredible Ag Scepter that I just want to give a shout out to and mention is the Visage one. I think. Yeah, we'll That's... get to that. You want to talk about the winners and the losers of the patch, right? Sure. Because I have some. It. I have some pretty strong opinions on that, at least right okay. now, based mm -hmm. on what I've seen. So big winners: Venge, Visage, Wraith King, Pudge. Uh, that doesn't mean all of these heroes are top tier, but it means they got a lot better than they used to be. Um, they are the ones just off the top of my head. Silencer core, really, really strong with the new item. Oh my god, it deals so much damage. The Witchblade or whatever it's yeah, called? Yeah, it is sick. Uh, Puck is a big winner. Uh, okay, is that it? Let me see. So yeah, Mars with the eggs, but you know, that's kind of. And all right, let's keep it at that so it's not too many. And then the big losers, I think I have two only that I think with Can basically 100% certainty. Yes, Can I guess? I'm going to say Outworld Destroyer, as he's called now, yes. Lifestealer. Yes, correct. Yeah, OD, the oh, win rate is man. abysmal. I haven't seen the Lifestealer. Uh, I mean, I won the only game I played with Lifestealer, but it, it, like, until I got the shard, that passive he has is fucking garbage. <laughs> it is actually so bad. I, the thing is, I haven't, I don't think I've seen a Lifestealer in a game, so I can't, or OD. I've played it with or against them zero times, but just from how they work, they are, like, just looking at the numbers, I think somebody just missed the mark. Like, the Lifestealer... Mm -hmm. It's way too team dependent. Like you're playing a carry that has to get into melee, but he has no way of doing it. Right? He has rage. He has to rage to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Using rage feels, on that. Feels terrible. Like, what the hell? I, I don't know how you itemize this hero until you get this the shard. Like I actually don't know. I don't know what you can do. Do you just have to farm for 20 minutes and then buy the shard to get it? And then maybe you're good because some of your skills got better than they were before. Is that it? Eh, I couldn't tell you. Pay you pay 1,400 gold for it, so your item progression is slowed down. What's his your ag? Is his ag is the slow. same? Where you, oh, it's the one you jump into enemies now. I haven't actually... Yeah. I didn't try that one. It sounds yeah, cool, but but probably not very good. Yeah, yeah it makes me sad because Lifestar is one of my favorite heroes of all time, of course. You know, they could go the Han route, Cinderin, and just give him a leap ability where he... It's a single target. You click an enemy. You pounce to them, essentially. And mm. you slow them, and it does like damage over time as you beat that the shit out of them. Sounds like you would need to nerf a lot of other things then. If you oh, yeah, for sure. No. But, but yeah. You can't just give it to him now, as is. But his passive is yeah. literal. It's a literal waste of a skill point right now, in my opinion. Ghoul Frenzy? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, if you don't take it, you can't farm. It's the way you get attack speed. That's you true. Have to you, take it. You, you only take it for the attack speed, which was tied right. to feast or yes, yeah, to feast before. Yeah. So it just feels so much worse. Like just looking at it and reading it, I'm like, man, am I gonna suck if I pick this hero? That's all I can feel if I look like, at it. I'm because I picked him. Like I, I have to max this skill, right? Because it has attack speed. Like I need that really badly, and the feast doesn't really scale that well. You only need a value point in rage most of the time. So yeah, you max out your passive, and it's like the worst skill in the game. Feels like, 
Yeah. So just to cross-reference with the trends, so this is the trends for the last eight weeks, right? But obviously, even over a few days, things can shift a lot when a hero gets picked a lot and has way better win rate. So the biggest single winner right now, the top three winners, let's say that, in Divine Plus are Wraith King, number one, plus 7.2% win rate. Then it's Monkey King, plus 4.6. I forgot him. He's also a winner. And Puck, 4.1. And then the losers, OD, minus 6.6, down to a whopping 38.3, which will get worse, I think. Because, again, this is over weeks, so the new one just keeps losing. Uh, Venge, minus 5.5. I cannot explain this. I genuinely have no idea. I can. Every game I play with it, it looks so good. Let me tell you why. I don't know. Are you looking at a specific bracket or everybody? Divine Plus. Oh, okay, maybe not then. I watched the Jenkins video and I was like, oh, he was making fun of a player that he played with because they they got Ags right away as a core Venge. And it was funny to me because I had literally just done that the night before and I just got trashed. First item Ags. I'm like, this has to be good. But then he made a good point. You only get value if you fucking die. You're not, you don't want to die as the core anyway. So I know at lower level pubs, I would not be surprised if the win rate went down, but I don't know why for Divine Plus, unless they're just forcing it. In the games I have played with and against Venge, core Venges will go Ags first, and it's amazing. So I just disagree. Like, really? I think the luxury... Okay, so here's why. The luxury you have as Venge core is that usually the problem you have is when you go in, you're short range, and you're a core, so you don't want to die. But with Scepter, if you don't have important on-use items, you're better when you're dead. So it's like having constant Aegis that just hmm. makes your hero stronger. And not only that, when you're about to respawn, if your ghost hasn't died, your hero returns to the fight and you get full experience and gold while you're a ghost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, the enemy team will get golden experience for killing you, but think about the perspective of the whole fight. Zero downtime two, on XP. You have two lives, you have zero downtime. When you die, you get 30% move speed. You, your spells work. You're like, you have an aura. It's incredible. God. I don't know. I wish it we had incredible. Jenkins on as a guest today. This would be such a fascinating <laughs> I conversation. I just really disagree based on what I've seen and my experience with it. And then I just don't know why the win rate is down this much because like maybe it's because people got used to playing it too much in an old way, but with you lost one swap charge, right? But everything else seemingly in a lot of strategies I feel like is better. The stun is seen, way better. Have you seen the shard where you steal damage with wave of Yeah, fire? it's sick on core as well. Like I don't know. I think I can't explain this one. The third one I can explain, which is Coddle. Uh, his win rate is down 5.4%. I think, first of all, people need to get used to playing the new Coddle, who's very different. You don't have blinding light except when you're ultied, and then you got this slow instead. Um, can I say something? I, I need to. Yeah. Small rant. Mm-hmm. So, Valve typically, when they ship something like this, like I, don't, I can't remember the last time they shipped something where I thought that genuinely something looks awful, like poorly made, right? Mm Sometimes I'm like, I don't like the way this looks, but it's not like it's poorly made. I think the slow from Coddle, whatever the hell that spell is called, Soul Solar bi- Flare, Solar, Solar Bind. Fl- it's literally the worst effect I've ever. It, it seems like somebody just took 30 seconds to make it. And it's weird because that new item where you whip people, that fucking particle effect for a shitty ass item, it's not shitty, but you know, some <laughs> random neutral item looks amazing. Then you have this fucking glowy garbage coming out of Coddle or whoever he's, or whoever he's slowing, just. Very poorly made. Please it's, fix that. That's funny to me because I like Solar Bind. Oh, so. my. The but spell or the particles? The particles. I think it oh looks fine. Oh, my 
God, what is wrong with you? Come. I like Solar Bind. I think it looks good. <sighs> Shannon, we're just going to have to agree to disagree like we usually do on cosmetic stuff. All right, so fine. All right, are you done with uh, winners and losers? Yeah. How is Lesh a loser? To Okay, there's some of these that I just genuinely can't explain and some that make so much sense to me. But infancy, let's see what happens. Um, I did see Lesh Shard. It was hilariously bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the one with the split earth. But yeah, it's yeah. it's good for base defense. I can definitely see that. It's kind of annoying to deal with when you're trying to go high ground, but uh, <laughs> his ags does seem very good. Okay, yeah. and then last part of this uh, segment, let's talk about any new items that caught your... I've been seeing a lot of people build the Falcon Blade, and I'm trying to understand why is is it really that good, or are people just yeah. spamming it just I to try it out? I feel the exact same way. I'm not sold. Like I've seen people buy it on almost any hero <laughs> at this point, mm. it feels like, and... Maybe it's a it's one of those feel good items because it gives a little bit of everything health mana region damage. You know who doesn't want that? But um, yeah, I'm I'm not sold. So let's look at the components. Right, you use fluffy hat for it, and you get 25 bonus health. You use sage's mask, you get 0.9 bonus mana region. So that's a lot. That's more than half. That's more than double a sage mask. Then you use blaze of attack, you gain one damage, and the recipe is 225. So you pay the recipe price to get. 25 health, 0.9 mana region, and one damage. Which is, and one, you know... Well, you combine everything to one slot. Don't forget of that. Of course, you get a slot, which is the main appeal of recipes in general. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not sold the value is there. Because it doesn't build into anything. It gets replaced eventually, because the slot isn't powerful enough. And you slow down other item progression. I, I, I personally don't think the item is that good. But I won't say it with certainty yet. Um, to, to me, it, the value just doesn't seem there, except if your hero really wants the mono region. I think that's the one thing I would, I would consider Falcon Blade valuable for. Is damn, I really want point nine mono region, but I don't want to buy items that give mono region. Right. So then maybe this is an item for you, but for any other case, I just don't think it's worth it. What do you think of Gleipnir? I, I was trying to think uh, of heroes that it would be good on. Viper is the first one that came to my mind because yes, it feels like a lot of heroes. A lot of heroes that buy Atos would never want uh, Mjoln, or, uh, I, Maelstrom, yeah. and then vice versa as well. But Viper is one of those that is obviously beautiful on both for the most part. I mean, Maelstrom maybe not as much, but it feels good still. I think um, depending on how the Sounds of Shard works, uh, Sounds of Shard gives your attack one bounce. Mm-hmm. If that bounce is counted as another attack, then maybe Silencer can use this item because then both attacks can proc the Chain Lightning. Uh, but I don't know if it works like that. So if it's like Silencer... Luna's Glaives, then it can't, right? On Luna's Glaives, the bounces can't proc orbs, but the main attack can. Mm. So, but if it's different, then maybe. Gleipnir and Witchblade Silencer? Yeah, because like, really Witchblade strong. is just core now, right? If you want to go, Witchblade is sick. On carry some silencer, fuck man. I I need to try it on Void Spirit. Actually, I've seen people buy it. It sounds amazing. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. I think it's a nine second yeah. cooldown. But uh, I talked Clyde about Mage Slayer. Yeah. Uh, really good on Ricky. I don't know who else this would be good on. The minus, I mean, it's kind of game dependent. If you have like a Zeus or something like that, minus thirty five percent spell amp debuff is pretty mm -hmm. considerable, uh, and the stats are really good. For especially like yeah. Ricky, as I said, uh, Eternal Shroud is a really interesting one, Cinderin. This is I the one that Pudge. 
Okay. Yeah. Tell me how you thought about it on Pudge. Because I bought it on Centaur. And at first, I'm like, mm. this is broken. <clears throat> I literally <throat> activate Eternal Shroud with zero mana left. I double edge a wave of creeps and I gain full mana again, which is good. Right. But it's also like, 60 second cooldown and a relatively expensive item. Yes. Is it worth that extra? I don't know. But it, it was pretty cool. It was really good on Bristle as well, I will say. The thing Extremely to me good. is that the appeal of this item, what everybody's talking about is the shroud, but I don't think that's what makes it good. I think it's the spell lifesteal that makes it good. The reason I like it so much on Pudge is that I want Hood anyway in a lot of games. Mm -hmm. And 20% spell lifesteal in this price range is incredible. You double the effectiveness of the Voodoo Mask, with an 1100 gold recipe and it goes into your hood slot. That is what makes it good for me. The mana is like the icing on the cake, which for some heroes is better than others. I can see on Centaur why that would be amazing. I can see on Lashrak why it would be amazing. Um, but I think the spell lifesteal is just insane. It's 20%. You have there a talent on Pudge as well on level 15, 30% spell lifesteal. Like, is it if you're additive? tanking, you have rot running, you heal by rotting. <laughs> is it additive or multiplicative for spell lifesteal stacking? Uh, I think it's still multiplicative, I guess, so it's maybe not fully 30, but it's close, right? Like 20 plus 10 is, it, it's in that range where it's almost, but I won't say that for certain. I could be wrong about this. Maybe it just adds fully. Um, it's so, kind of new that we have so many spell lifesteal sources, right? We didn't really used to have that. Does Eternal Shroud, like when you rot, it works the same way as Double Edge then. You get your mana back as yes. you're using it, right? Which is also really, really good in some situations. Like, of course, but it's not the primary reason I'm buying it. I'm not like, no, no, oh, no, man, I really want Shroud. Yeah. Uh, I want the spell lifesteal if I buy this item most of the time. But mm -hmm. some heroes like Lash really benefit. Um, and I've seen... So we talked about these daggers, right? And we were like, this is not first item. I've seen very little use, but there's one I saw bought, uh, which was really cool to me. I was like, I wonder why. So... <laughs> I was playing with Miracle's Tinker, and he went Arcane Blink first item, actually. I was like, is that Boots good? of Travel and then, Arcane, right? Or and then, blink? yeah, of course. I mean, Boots of Travel is a, is a given, right? He had Boots of Travel, Soul Ring, I think, and then Arcane Blink okay. next item. I was like, is this really that good? And then I saw it in play, and oh my god, <laughs> that was so sick. Rearm level three. <laughs> had like a cast time of 0.3 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Every time he blinks. So because wow. you rearm the dagger, you can spam your spell so fast. It becomes really mechanics intensive, right? But in the hands of the right player, uh, this item is incredible on Tinker. I don't know if you buy it first like he did, but it looked actually really, really good as an early purchase because of how he could spam his spells. I think he went Arcane Blink Wind Waker. And then he could also he could Arcane Blink cast his spells. If he got jumped, he could Wind Waker himself, move away, and then blink, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can move in that. Um, we lost horribly. But, <laughs> but it was really not his fault. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he was kind of also just trying it out to get Arcane Blake plus Wind Waker. I don't think his build is something you would genuinely get most of the time or even ever. Because it's just so expensive for the yeah. offensive potential you get. Which is very limited. But I mean, both, items looked, both items looked amazing on Tinker. So okay, I've I've uh, seen uh, I've built overwhelming blink a couple times, mm -hmm. uh, overwhelmingly overrated. I think I, I thought it was way better 
than it actually was. I think Centaur might be the only one that can truly take advantage of the damage aspect of the strength when you end up landing. Because like Axe, it just it felt like nothing. Having said mm -hmm. that, the slow is nice. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a really good slow, but this is super expensive. It's not something like I was kind of, we talked about in the podcast. I thought, eh, could be cool to get as your second or third item. Maybe just rush it randomly. Maybe it'll feel, it does not feel good at all. Right. Definitely a luxury. Have not seen Swift Blink personally, but no, I haven't, I haven't seen any Blink except Arcane. And I've seen that once or maybe Have two you times. seen the new that's Helm of Dominator? I've heard it's really good on clinks, and that's it. I haven't, but there was... I think... I've been talking a lot with Kezu. We stream and play a lot together. I think he said there was one guy in his game who rushed it on Wisp or something, which I could see that being pretty cool, right? You can tether yeah. your own Ancient. Um, but, yeah, maybe the clinks part. Can you... Can clinks even eat it if he takes it? Uh, does it give more HP than the re regular Helm? Oh, so he wasn't eating ancients, right? Right. Yeah, not eating ancients. Uh, if the stats are bigger, that's what I'm assuming. I don't have it up right now. Wait, where is it? Even in the shop in game, I can't even find the item. I don't know. It looks oh, like the anime okay, version. I, I see it now. Um, yeah. So. So on the original Dominator, it says dominated units with a health of greater than 1,000 retain their original max health. And for the Helm of the Dominator, dominated unit with a health max of greater than 1,800 retain mm -hmm. their original max health. So Helm of the Dom sets the health of the creep you dominate to 1k if it's lower, and Helm of the Dom level 2 sets it to 1.8 if it's lower. So... You could dominate any non-ancient, and all of them will get a health buff, right? Because none of them have 1,800. Right. And the ancients that do have more keep their original health, but clinks can't devour those, I would assume, when he takes them over. So Yeah, I don't think so. So yeah, I could see this being pretty good on clinks, actually, but it's also expensive, man. It's so expensive. True. But maybe, maybe it's still good for that hero. I could, I could see it. All right. Anything else about the patch that you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, I guess we can quickly mention our experience with neutral items. Sure. Um, so from what I've seen so far... I love the, Cloak of Flames, but I knew I would. Not surprising. Yeah, same. I think it's probably too good, though. It's going to get nerfed, but it, the concept is really cool, and it's, it's, a, it's a good item for sure. Uh, I hope it stays, but just gets rebalanced a bit. Um, Psychic Headband is 12% intelligence. We were talking about whether that's a type mm -hmm. or not. It is not. That is how it works. It's a cool item. Don't know, how, don't know if I like it, that it's percentage. I, mean, is I think it really, I'd have a flat amount. Does it really matter? 12%? It does. Like, what's the best case scenario? Let's talk about that. Silencer? Best case scenario is, yeah, something like that. But it's not that it's too good. It's that I thought it would be too weak actually because oh, most okay. of the time on tier three items when do you get these minute 27 most heroes that get this will not have 100 int right so it will be worse to have 12 percent than 12 flat mm -hmm. uh, and it also just makes it awkward on heroes that don't have high intellect so let's say you get this item and you want to give it to your venge it just sucks right because her mana isn't her int isn't that high the, the int comp component sucks the cast range and the active are obviously still great. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about this that just doesn't sit well with me with percentage intelligence. It just feels weird. 
Um, the push is cool. It's like a half hurricane yeah. pike. It doesn't push move is you, super but cool. moves them. I, I yep. like the way the item works. Very, very cool. Um, then we were debating how Trickster Cloak would work. I had it yesterday. It's instant invis. You don't even have fade time. Oh, and that's nice. That means that so you, you should be dodge. able to projectile. You should dodge a lot of things. Um, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's a cool item. Um, haven't been have to tier the, five yet. The storm is a storm crafter. The one where you get the cyclone for 0.75 yeah. seconds. <laughs> I've had it drop. I haven't. I haven't carried it myself, but. Uh, I didn't really get to see it used, so holding my judgment on that. I think the item is incredible on some heroes, like Lesh. Still, conceptually, it should be amazing. Um, yeah. Okay, and have yep. you seen Does any me. tier 5? <laughs> no. Have you seen Giant Ring yet? No, but I'm going to laugh my ass off when I do. I had a 60-minute game until today, the game ends. but sadly, the game ended right as it hit 60 minutes, so oh, I couldn't, couldn't farm it up. Yes, very sad. Okay, so that is the patch. I I give this, I tweeted this out. This is an S tier. This is maybe my favorite patch of all time. I I didn't want to be emphatic about how I felt. And I, you guys probably have an idea based on what I've, I have not really truly enjoyed playing Dota for like a year and a half. Like I'll mm -hmm. play it and it's, you know, it's fun sometimes. It's not like I'm like, oh, I can't wait to play I have played like double digit games every day for like three days straight. That's, I've not done that in like four or five years, literally. Wow. So this That's patch crazy. is like fucking, yes. Thank you, Ice Frog. Holy shit. I love it. It's, you remember when I saw the change log, I told you, I was like, you're going to love this patch. <laughs> yep. I didn't think you would love it this much, but I had a feeling like this is the kind of patch you're going to absolutely <laughs> oh, love. God, it's but so good. Damn, that is, that's awesome. I mean, the thing, like, you can only hope adding... that there's a lot of people like that then, right? That's that's yeah. the hope, is that people who used to play this game so much get that like spark of can't Well, but wait then to there's the Dota. other side of the coin where it just feels like it's more information now, which I totally understand. But yeah. if I, like for me, it just a lot of heroes just have felt very stale. Like my a lot of my favorite now, shards like literally can change how a hero is played completely. Like it just makes it so much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Thank you, Ice Frog. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Ice Frog, there is a rumor, and I brought this up before the rumor even came up, Cinder, that I thought that there would oh. be another patch changing the map and doing other stuff, and you scolded me. You were disgusted. You made it seem right. like I wasn't yeah. happy with the patch, which wasn't the case, Cinder. I have to say this out loud now. Okay. Let it Keep be known. Then we'll I love the patch. I love the patch, but I thought that they would do stuff with the map and other things that pro players right. would care about. Because I know pro players are interested in the shard, but not as much as me. Like at the end of the day, it's mm -hmm. a lot of the heroes are, you know, they're still picking a lot of the same heroes still. Um, do you think this is coming out? Supposedly, so Dire Tide ends today. Mm -hmm. The rumor is the 24th, which I can tell you right now, there's no fucking way they're going to do that. Christmas <laughs> Eve, no way. <laughs> They're releasing a patch that big. So could be this week, could be never. I don't know. So what's the patch supposed to contain? Map changes, and that's it. Uh, I have to open the like, article. We've had hero rebalancing. We've had new items. We've had item rebalancing. We've had some general rebalancing. What would it be except a map change? Like economy? They've changed the economy yes, a little economy. bit. Economy and map change. Those are the two. So economy and map, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be great. Um, I actually, 
part of me really likes this way of releasing a patch if it's on purpose and that this is something they're going to do in the future that they split it into two parts instead of dumping absolutely everything at once which they've done with lots of previous patches you just get this like mega big new patch with all the heroes we worked and all of the economy this way you get to test the heroes and the items kind of in a vacuum mm. and then you can change the map based on that actually like from a how to say scientific method perspective or whatever you want to call it i actually think this way is better to do it because now you get to see how the heroes work and then you're like okay let's try to see how the map works whereas if you change everything at once you get this like mishmash where rebalancing can be really difficult because there's too many variables right um so i think this is a really good way of doing it and i hope I mean, I hope so, we get uh, changes to the economy and the map. Can Why not? I make a counter argument, mm -hmm. not about this specifically, just to go off on a little tangent? Because I actually thought about it a little more when you say that when they when he when Ice Frog adds all this extra stuff, it makes balancing harder. I actually think it makes it easier. And let me really? let me tell you why I think that. Okay. You it gets easier because you have more variables to tweak, like. Let's look at it right. this way. You have a bunch of Aghanim Scepters for heroes that change the way they play. You have a bunch of shards that change the way they, they're built. Those shards don't need to equal other shards. They need to bring a hero... Like, having that extra variable to play with allows you to balance them in a different way that still mm -hmm. makes them overall as balanced as other heroes. So I think, in a way, it actually makes it easier on some level. You understand what I'm saying? I know what you mean. I agree that it gives you other ways of rebalancing heroes to reach the stage that you want them to be at. I just think, so how to, how to put this? It adds so much complexity and depth to the game that reaching quote unquote perfect balance just seems further and further away, right? Mm. Like making the game truly feel equal with the heroes gets more and more impossible the more complexity you add. We agree on that, right? Like the more complex things are, the yes. harder they are to balance. If it's a really simple game, it's really easy to balance. But this gets harder and harder. But for the individual hero in like in the big system, there's more ways of finding solutions to when a hero is underpowered or overpowered. I agree with that for sure. But like reaching a point where the game feels truly <clears throat> like every hero is playable in Pro Dota, every hero has a place and is very powerful in the right situations. I argue would get harder and harder when you add more complexity. Uh, I think complexity solving elements. the meta becomes harder for pros. Yes, the more complex absolutely. it gets as well. So and no even if something that. That's seems broken, it might not actually be broken in the grand yeah. scheme of things once there's more time to play it. But having the game be harder to understand. solve is a plus. I think that's something they strive for. I remember talking to Bruno about this with um, what's it called, Underlords, that. The problem that they had with Underlords was that the game got solved too fast. Whenever they patched and rebalanced the units and rebalanced the drops or whatever, uh, it would pretty clearly, within one to two days, converge towards one or two or three playstyles. And that's not what you want in a game like that. You want every build to feel viable. You want to have different strategies that can be played. But that's why they made Underlords more and more and more complicated with more and more depth. Because if not, they felt like the game was way too like just boring like everyone was just playing three builds um so if that's their what they're striving for i think they're hitting the nail on the head there or really hitting the mark with uh making the game more complex because from my perspective i can't imagine this patch being solved in like the next month two three four 
Mm -hmm. If you think about the previous patch we had, we actually had developments toward the very end with changes in meta. And how long do we have that patch? Like since July or something? Seemingly um, forever. Yeah. So yeah, this this is like this going to be something new every month that people discover, and that's cool. So and now supposedly we're going to have heroes can... more consistently as well. Yep. Didn't they say could... January, February the next hero? So could be. I don't remember. Agonim, please. No. All right, next thing on the list. Uh, won't be able to discuss too details because I didn't get a chance to watch this. I've been playing too much Dota, Cinderin. Uh, mm-hmm. But Dota Pit has ended, and Navi beat OG 3-0 in the grand finals. They were actually knocked out of the upper bracket by OG, where they went to the lower bracket, beat Nigma 2-1, and then ended up sweeping OG. So congratulations to them. So Navi yeah. looking good. I believe, um, I believe the patch dropped during Nigma Alliance. Um, so for game three, they were playing the new patch. And it was actually in the was, middle of a series. <laughs> it was December 17th, right? That it dropped. It was this Thursday, correct? Oh, I actually, I was watching that. Yeah. Okay. I think. So after game two, the patch came out. And so Nigma and Alliance patched, and then they played game three, and Nigma won. So Nigma got to the lower bracket finals where they lost to Navi 2-1, who and Navi in turn had lost to OG 2-1. And then Navi apparently just took off um, and won that finals 3-0. So yeah, good stuff. I think this is Navi's first tournament win in an Eon. Um, <laughs> That's an And not just that, they had a second place recently too. They got second in ESL1 Germany where they lost to Team Liquid. So, you know... It's not just, it doesn't seem like it's just a random, okay, one-off tournament where they're doing really well. It seems like they're starting to reach a point where they're getting more consistent, which is, I think, I think it's so good for the scene when there's a good CIS team. I really... I feel like you could say that I, about any region, if I'm being... Yeah, but like, okay, so let me put it into perspective. There's Nostalgia-wise. Like, there's me, always a good Chinese team, right? Like... When is the last time we've had zero good Chinese teams? There's always at least one that's like world class, right? There's yeah. always one. That doesn't mean they always get a top three placement at a LAN, but they always have really good teams. CIS has been very hit or miss. Like there's been years where they've been seemingly nothing. It's true. Then there was one year or two years where it was literally VP <laughs> and no one else really because uh, Navi just couldn't compete at that point. Um, and the reason I highlight this is that for the West, in terms of viewership on Twitch and stuff, there is as much viewership on the CIS stream as on the English-speaking stream, which combines all of the Western languages, or rather the Western viewership that have a shared language in English. Also so, worth about one-tenth as much revenue-wise. Sure, but from from the perspective of, you know, like whether you want to talk about just flat out the money or whatever, just the fan engagement, I think it's just really good for the game that CIS have a strong team. It makes the game look better on Twitch because there's way more viewers. It makes it look better to sponsors, even if they can see through the fact that there are a lot of the viewers that are CIS. Uh, I feel like the most hardcore fans would be like in no particular order, SCA and CIS probably, those two regions for yeah. me. If you take out China because they're kind of in their own bubble a lot of the time. Although China, I can only imagine League is more had, popular now. Tr- uh, I don't know if that's true. I can't say that. Um, I'm know. sure that Counter Strike ripoff is more popular than. I mean, there's many games <laughs> more popular than Dota now. In China. I'm trying to imagine if we had because this is the thing that we've never had is a true top team from South America. 
So that's why we can't reference that. But if there was a top team from South America, like a team that could get to finals or... Rip smash. It's happened once, I think, that there was an SA team in the finals of a minor, I want to say, or something like that. And they got a top eight at one major or maybe two. So they've definitely been competitive, but they've and not been... TI, like, right? In the top, top eight TI once. Yeah, top eight TI as well. Last TI, uh, what, was, what were they called? The team with HFN and... Uh, was it infamous? No, Hector. Hector. Was it infamous? It, I don't know. It's I just one of the two teams that <laughs> is always a team. In it was S Beast Coast. In, in, right? Was it Beast Coast? But Were they, they weren't Beast Coast, Coast the at the time for TI. Oh, maybe they weren't. I don't think so. Were they? Oh. Anyway, I could be wrong. Don't remember. Anyway. Don't remember which name it was, but I remember the players. So and how they played. All right, they were infamous um, at the time they became Beast Coast. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, that's the best essay showing we've had. But there's such a huge fan base there too. And they just don't have that top team that they can watch. So I think now yeah. they're hoping for SG, which are making a comeback to maybe become something big. Um, oh, first yeah. of all, for South it's America, it obviously doesn't help when half your top players are banned for life. So that put a big yeah. dent in that scene. That is very unfortunate. Yeah. And then going back to CIS, should mention that VP coming off of their first place win at Epicent or Epic League were actually dropped in the first round by OG. They went to the lower bracket. They ended up beating Viking and then lost in the second round of the lower bracket So, to Alliance. So they didn't really get remotely yeah. close to the grand finals this time. So it's really good to see this this parity. You know? A lot of competition. Yeah, that's true. We should mention that when we mentioned Navi. We talked about that previously with VP. They won another uh, tournament recently. Um, but yeah, CIS actually have two teams now. I don't remember when that was the last time that they had two truly top contending teams in. I mean, when Navi was region. actually dominant, was what was the other team? I mean, I remember it started with a D. What was we that team called? We had a time with we had a team with we had a time with Navi and VP at the same time, or Virtus Pro. What were they called? The team with Illidan that got sixth at TI was that Virtus Pro Polar? They called that VP. Was that that team? Well, no, they were just Virtus Pro that TI. That was TI six, I think. Uh, TI5 or TI6. Was Navi good then? But then Navi weren't good. No. I I'm trying to remember. <laughs> like, with D. This is going to bother me, actually, for a long time, if I don't figure it There's a team uh, that started with a D that had art style or arse art. Darer? Darer. Yes. They were. That was TI2. TI3. Okay. Three? I was going to say three. Two or three. It could be two. Yeah. I think it was two. It was TI2. It was. Um, they yeah, had I a guess lot of both promise, Darer and Navi bankrupt. were good then. They didn't do well at TI, but their no. team might have been good with Darer. Um, and then I think we've had phases where both Navi and Empire were good. Oh, but not necessarily like a full year. But yeah. Empire did have a good team at one point. Uh, Chad's also mentioning Moscow 5. I don't think they were ever truly that great. They weren't actually an Tower org, though, were they? That was just like a compil... Was it a real Moscow org? 5, Moscow 5 was an org, yeah. Oh, okay. That Supposedly was with, uh... run out of prison. If you remember that. Wait, what's the black <laughs> hole guy again from that team? PGG. PGG. Oh man, what a character old, that guy was. Vintage, dude. He was a fuck. Uh, he's a he's Russian talent now. He's done a lot of talent work. Oh, I didn't know that. I think okay. he's, from what I understand, without knowing too much about the Russian scene, I think he's pretty beloved because I think he's like very. From what I understand, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. He's like he's like goosey. He has the uh, goosey goofy. Uh, he has these um. He's a bit like a, one of the more clownier guys while still having very good game knowledge. He's like clownier, and I think he's like a sponge for jokes a bit or something like that. 
could be wrong. But, How are we uh, at the hour mark just already? <laughs> Jesus. For those that didn't see this live, Cinder first things, oh, this is going to be a short episode, huh? Sounded just well, like that, guess, by the way. Guess I'm wrong. Yeah. That's All right. Let's let's move on. We got a couple topics that won't take too long, and then we'll go to the Patreon mailbag. So artifact. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. Uh, the reason I laugh is because people genuinely get angry. They don't seem to realize that there's fucking timestamps. Use your head. <laughs> Use your eyes. Okay. Timestamps. Easy. So there was a big blog post that came out the exact same day as the Dota patch, which was interesting. Uh, basically talking about the state of the beta. They talked about a lot of the stuff that they did, which I'll read, I guess, the bullet points. They started developing and testing the game in public in April. They invited players and waves and iterated on the biggest pain points discovered with each wave. They iterated on hero design and item design, increased the strength and impact of heroes across the board, which I've talked about before as well. Uh, Made several passes on card design to make them more relevant and improve gameplay. They added ranked. They added hero demo puzzles, which are really cool. Uh, they added various UI elements to, be- to better convey the game state. And they experimented with a bunch of stuff, which I'm hoping they keep all of this. All of the stuff they've experimented with is really good. Shop rules. They've simplified the shop UI. They added multicolor cards, factions, and multicolor casting rules, which essentially means as long as you have a black hero in the lane... Say there's a black mm-hmm. and a red. doesn't matter if one of them is stunned or one of them is silenced. You can cast both colors now, which is a huge right. quality of life change. So now they're basically saying that... Uh, so what's the roadmap going forward? I might as, this is just a few sentences. So we're getting ready to ship Tutorial Beta 2.0 to existing players next week, which should be today. They said early next week, which... Mm. Early Tuesday is the last day of early, in my opinion. Uh, We'd like to test it with the current player base first for a few weeks before trying with new players. Once we've got our first round of feedback, we'd like to start inviting small ways of new players who signed up for the beta but hadn't played 1.0 yet, which is cool. Uh, And then sometime in mid to late January, they're going to start letting players invite their friends. And they're going to just basically do that for a few months. I'll just sum up the rest. And... In the next like month or two, they're going to stop experimenting. They're going to solidify everything and start to polish. And they've posted right. some photos, which I guess we won't be able to see here, of concept art of what the cards could look like. And for more importantly, what the board will look like, which looks really sick. And they already have a bunch of art done. And I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where people were turned off by the fact that a lot of stuff wasn't polished. So I'm really happy to see that they're going through with this uh, and not just abandoning the game, <laughs> which yeah. I'm not going to lie. In the back of my head, I was a little worried because uh, I have been enjoying the game quite a bit. So it does, it does feel like with the amount of effort that they seem to be putting into this, like the stuff that they're putting out, the system development that they're making, the card design, all this stuff seems like they're really going for a true relaunch of the game and that they think the game itself has the potential to be big. So like we talked about before in the previous episode, I do think they will return to their goal of making that million dollar tournament. I think if you put in this much time and effort and you announce that in advance for the game originally, you kind of have to do that now to try to make this game have a splash again, right? You need to reinvigorate that interest in players' minds. So um, maybe in 2021, million dollar artifact tournament could be a possibility around the summertime or autumn. Yeah, if... 
I have zero inside information. If I had to guess when they would re-release this game, it would be six months from now. So that yeah. aligns with what you're saying. And mm. it I don't know if it necessarily has to have the million dollar tournament right away, but I agree because of COVID and like there's gonna be long lasting implications of this last year right. on just tournaments in general. So who knows how that affects things, but especially when you might have two TIs in the same calendar year anyway. So can they really handle that with their 20 employees over at Valve? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I am quite excited. So the long haul continues into 2021. <laughs> the thing I'm thinking about is like, so I've had access to this game for quite a while and I still haven't played. Um, and I, we talked about this before that I was in this like weird phase between okay should i play and try it out and oh well it's so far from done anyway where you're just like okay i'll play anything artifact that gets patched because you love the game and i loved it too so don't get me wrong i didn't think it was a bad game i thought it was really good um i guess my approach to it is just different that i wanted to be closer to finished before i felt like playing it more now that i see this announcement i'm more interested in trying it out because it looks like they're closing in even if they are still very far away like even something like just card design being more done and um I think that's like the thing the that's art, gonna you know? take the most so. time is getting the art done, as sad as that is to say. Cause I think the game is in a very good state and they probably I would guess that they're not gonna make any major changes, but who knows at mm. this stage. And I also think the mobile aspect is also really important. That probably takes a lot of time as well. Hopefully they're working on that. Uh but they also list some stuff that they're gonna be working on with different modes and uh, events and whatnot so they have a lot planned it sounds like so Dude, i am personally very excited so sick actually yeah anytime like the we talked about blizzard having so great good. uh like blizzard having great movies and whatnot yeah. but just valve's general even if this is outsourced which i know it is the art is fucking fantastic like vanessa who based on her her uh placeholder art was the most hideous hero in the game i can say that playing outright looks gorgeous this, this is such a thing. cool card yeah it's the really card looks really really good. cool so yep that is the news from artifact and yeah last thing on the agenda which will probably be 30 seconds riot i don't know if they didn't officially i guess they technically have officially announced that they are working on a league of legends based mmo Somebody made a tweet essentially saying that they needed coders or people to... Let me just read this tweet. I have news. This is from somebody that's working at Riot. My recent job at Riot has been to help develop the League universe, which we're going to need because it is time. My new job is to kick off a big, some might say massive, game that many of you and many Rioters have been asking us to create. P.S. We're hiring. So somebody tweeted back at them, tell me now, is it an MMO? Will I be able to pick my waifu's clothes and hairstyle? And they responded, it is an MMO. So back, how long ago was it? <laughs> Good thing they didn't answer the rest of the questions. <laughs> it yeah. is an MMO. Fuck your waifu's clothes. We're not answering that one. <laughs> uh, so back when Riot announced their, it was the 10-year anniversary, they announced all these games. We We were applauding them despite not being huge riot fans in general for probably the best announcement i've ever seen in gaming history if i'm being honest like seven different games or something crazy like that mm -hmm. one of which was valorant one of which was runeterra 
They have a TV series I don't think has come out yet. The MMO was like kind of, it wasn't really teased, I don't want to say. Maybe it was like, it wasn't mentioned, but it was implied. But now we have an answer that it will be an MMO. So I have a question for you. I know you're a big MMO fan. Mm-hmm. And you've played League a decent amount. Right. Way more than yeah. me. I played yeah. three games in my whole life. You've played probably 20,000 times more than that. <laughs> no. Would you play I've not played 60,000. A League yet. of Legends MMO. I would if it's good. Yeah. Um I think what I'm trying to imagine is how how to say how the universe lends itself to an MMO cuz I'm not sure compared to other MMOs that I've played and other like design I'm not sure how much I will enjoy the world as such which is you know a really big part of the game but I still think the number one carrying element for MMOs is systems. I think that's what matters the most is that there's interesting progression, interesting quests, something to strive for, something that seems challenging and rare that you can obtain. Um, And then the packaging is the rest. Like, how does the world look? Um, Yeah, the art. So I still think the underlying systems are the most important because some MMOs are absolutely gorgeous, but they get boring after three weeks because you have nothing to do or uh, then it doesn't matter how good it looks. We've talked about this on many podcasts ago, I think that for me, the carrying element of games will always be gameplay over graphics um, and MMOs are no exception to that. So if they make good systems and it seems interesting and there's a lot of people playing, I don't see why I wouldn't find it interesting. Okay. So again, they just announced that they're looking for people to work on it. It's going to be many years before this is out many like five years i would say minimum mmos take astronomical they take a long time, time to make yeah but riot have been pretty fast at making their games though it's true. i mean we assume we don't know how long they worked on runeterra and how long they worked on valorant i mean i believe right? one of they the games that they them, they teased with actual small footage was it looked like an action rpg if i'm not mistaken so that one's probably way ahead of uh mm. this mmo but anyway just thought we'd mention it as the last topic of today okay yep. Let's go on to the Patreon mailbag where we have one question for today. Question for the podcast from, I always have a hard time. Is it Plata? I think it's Plata. Yeah. For some reason, my monitor Plata. does not display this color very well. How do you approach a new patch? Do you read everything first or do you try your favorite heroes? Any tips on good methods to approach major updates? That's a very timely question. Yeah. Um, what do you got? So I think I've done it differently in the past from what I did this time. This time I didn't read everything. And I think it's very different what people do. I think some people sit down and read literally everything um, before they start playing. And then they form ideas of what they think would be good or fun or whatever. I skimmed over a lot of the hero changes. Um, Didn't read everything. Still haven't. Um, I focused a lot on reading more in depth about the shards and the items, kind of like what we did on the podcast episode, honestly. That was the stuff I paid the most attention to. And then the reason I didn't read so much into the rest is that, in my opinion, um, Dota is a lot a game about feel. So I think you just need a lot of games under your skin to really feel it. Um, but I'm definitely not going to advocate for not reading everything. I think it's a good idea to do. Um, but the way I've personally approached it this time was read the shards, read the items, get ideas that I think would be fun. And then I just jumped into games, started playing uh, to try to feel, okay, what heroes are good? Because you're going to have some ideas yourself, but you're going to get inspired. The, the high rank scene just steals from each other every day. 
nonstop. Mm-hmm. You see something, you're like, wow, that was really good. I'm going to try that. Um, my perspective would be different if I was playing professionally right now. Then I think I would have spent more time, like, or I know for a fact I would have spent more time reading every line, figuring out what to draft, uh, what I wanted to try in scrims. But since I'm not playing professionally right now, then I just figured, okay, this looks like fun. Let's get into it. Let's get some some games going. So mm-hmm. that's it for me. Yep. Not too much different from my side, I suppose. I Well, that's not true. I, I, read, I read every single line. And then I retain about 20% of it. That's the uh, problem, right? I, I remember, I remember my favorite that. heroes, and those are the ones I'm excited to play if they're interesting changes or not. Then I go back and read it again. Uh, especially if I need to cast, I will read it several times and mm-hmm. memorize things that I find either relevant or even just a random interesting thing to talk about because that's another reason I really like this patch. And although I'm not slated to cast anything for the rest of this year with you, uh, like the shards, I I could literally talk about them for the entire cast easily. It's yeah. not even like super fun to talk about just the possibility. Should he build it? Do you think this one's good? It's just, just adds so much uh, to talk about during, yeah. you know, a game that may or may not even be exciting to watch. I think that's one thing that our style that I personally really like, because not to go off on a tangent here, Cinderin, but uh, there, there's a few people that occasionally tweet at me that say I'm not hype enough when I cast. And I don't disagree necessarily, but I'm not a big fan of just hype casting for the sake of hype casting. If it's not a an exciting fight, I'm not gonna fake hype it. Like these mm-hmm. are after game, like pretty much. I think minus one or two games, all the casts we did were complete stops. Right? Yeah. So that's why talking like if I could talk about shards in times like that, that would <laughs> yeah that would make it far more interesting for me at the very least. Hopefully the viewers as well. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the same way that. It just makes sense to talk about the game as it's happening, right? If something is exciting, you make it super exciting because it's genuine that you thought this was really cool or that fight was crazy or whatever. But sometimes it just isn't crazy or exciting, and that's fine. Then the goal is to not make the game boring, right? Mm -hmm. And there's many ways you can make the game entertaining to watch, like cracking jokes, talk about anecdotes of other games, or talk about the players, talk about... uh, you know, if it is a stomp, say it as it is during the game that this team is getting destroyed, and this is why. And um, try to try to try to have a laugh at it, right? Um, instead of following like some sort of strict script that you always need to do A, B, and C because games are different every time. Um, so I 100% agree. I think the the genuineness is that the word is the most important thing. Sure, we'll go with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is the end of the episode, friends. Uh, Cinderin, and to everybody out there, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. What's the other one? Happy Kwanzaa. Is it happy Kwanzaa? I think so. I think saying happy holidays is just faster. Happy holidays. I feel like there saying happy holidays is a cop-out, you know? Merry uh, Christmas, everybody. Christmas is a great time of the year to spend with your family during COVID, uh, yeah. which is the unfortunate part. What are you doing for Christmas, Cinderin? uh we're spending christmas on our own and then christmas so in denmark the big day for christmas is the 24th which is also my birthday so it's my birthday in two days 
Wow. Uh, Happy birthday, Cinderin. My birthday matters less and less every year. How um, old are you now? I'm going to be 31. Mm-hmm. So so 24 is the is the biggest day. We're just going to be the two of us. And then on Christmas Day, we're visiting my parents. Uh, and then I'm going to stay there for a couple of days. And Susie will go home and watch the dog. So she's going to be there for the, the, the one day. And then this the is Onion's first help. Christmas. It's his second Christmas. He is. We got him on December 1st last year. You've had him for over a year? He is 14 and a half months old. We've been talking about Onion for over a year. I've been trying to make you watch fucking In Bruges for even longer than that. True. Can you make it my Christmas present? We'll see. To watch In Bruges. I'm begging you. Uh, Okay, so for me, You didn't ask me I watched it yet. I, I, we haven't gotten to it. I'm still talking about no, what I'm doing. You can't for ask the question yet. I'm not asking it yet. Okay. I, uh, it's literally just my brother coming into town. So it's my mom, my brother, me, and Nikki, and we're gonna spend Christmas Day, early day, at my mom's place, and we'll come to mine. Usually, we will. It's our family tradition to always go to a movie, which we can't do, or maybe we technically could, but we won't. Obviously, so you're gonna watch in Bruges. So we're gonna watch in Bruges. <laughs> And my big screen TV. Very excited about that. Now, we'll, there's a bunch of movies coming out, so hopefully we can make it kind of theater-esque. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, kind of sad. Can't get more people. And but yeah, happy holidays to everybody. We nice hope you're staying safe though. and all that stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's great to be responsible. So, Cinderin, the big question, the second to last time that we will ask, I will ask you this for this year. Have yeah. you seen In Bruges? No. Merry Christmas. All right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Until next week, which I assume will be the same time, same place. Suns fans in and signing out. Enjoy Dota, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening.